Welcome to the Red Alert Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chapman. I'm along with my co-host, Cindy Berry. Now, Cindy Berry. Now, Cindy Berry. Now, Cindy Berry. We have a game, we have a game tonight. Usually, usually we don't do these podcasts on a game night, right? Especially this close to game time. But if we we did the pod, we did the little mini podcast of the Patrick Kane becoming a Detroit Red Wing, and now we're doing it again. Obviously, with um, this is this is our regular podcast. We had to, we scheduled it back a little bit, but yep. Since we've been gone, I mean, I think that I think when I, I'm glad we postponed it for a little bit because. If we would have done it back when, you know, back when we were supposed to do it after the Sweden trip, well, they lost two straight, and now they won three straight. So it's been very, very fun to watch the Red Wings, obviously, beating the Devils four to nothing, beating the Bruins five to two, and beating the Wild four to one is impressive enough. Now, I think that the Bru- I think the, the Devils game was the big one that I liked the most because... It's the Devils. I think they're a good team. I know the Bruins are, but we beat the Bruins at four. But I thought the Devils won where they just shut them out and they really held them under check the whole game. I thought that was impressive. Yeah, and, you know, they tend to do that, too, when they're up against it, right? When they know people are watching, when they're they're looking forward to those games like the Devils or the Bruins where it's really going to test them. And they seem to rise to the occasion. I, I was actually pleased that they also – showed well against the Minnesota Wild, who we can all argue is, you know, not that caliber team. Um, they did well equally against both. So I was glad to see maybe we've got a little bit of consistency coming here, Joe, which is something that we have both commented on has been missing. So what I liked is the fact that um, they were put under different conditions. They were away. They were at home. They were against really good teams. They were against a team that is not so good uh, yet they were victorious in all three of those instances. So I'm hoping we're looking for some uh, consistency. I think we might be getting it. Yeah, I thought it was just – I like, look, when I thought about it, like, I was like, okay, this Red Wings team, I, I, I was really concerned about them after the Sweden trip. I thought it was going to be like, oh, here we go again. Like, they're going to go into that November and December blues, blue, blue Christmas, you know. And then this recently they've been just – coming along and and I looked at the stats and these stats are pretty incredible if you think about it but they are shots against per game it's their 13th in the league I thought they'd be a little bit higher shots per game which shots for per game which is their shots per game is 15th in the NHL their goals per game is top 10 their goals against is need some work we obviously know that and their shooting percentage is top five in the NFL I mean NHL right now so when we look at the Red Wings, they are actually performing at a better pace than we thought that they would perform. Because when I looked at the stats, the one thing I took into equation was their shooting percentage is really, really good for a team that, you know, we kind of think is like there's there's still some room to grow there. Obviously, the goals against you want that to improve. And I think that Alex Lyon playing the way he's been playing, I think that that will improve for sure. Absolutely. You know, now it's interesting to me, even though. I must take yet another victory lap because someone predicted Patrick Kane coming to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, talked about it a year ago, told you to look out for it. Six months ago, I told you to look out for it. And even as late as three weeks ago, you know, when all the chatter was going on and he was going here, there, and everywhere, I said, don't be surprised if you see Patrick Kane. Steve is waiting. There's something he wants to see first, whether he's going to pull that trigger. So, but what's interesting is, you know, I'm wondering why they felt they needed more offensive firepower. 
I thought we were doing pretty well. We were putting points on the board. I think we talked last you know, show about the fact that where the Red Wings are really struggling is they're struggling between the pipes, right? They just yeah. don't have a reliable goaltender. And they're also having some real holes on defense. You know, there was issues about talking about Petrie and whether or not he's contributing sufficiently and all this other kind of thing. So I'm wondering why the motivation now to go for more offensive firepower. Why bring in another winger? I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts are, Joe. I had my thoughts, but what are your thoughts about why Steve chose to do that? Well, I thought thought the cat. I thought that the reason I thought I thought the reason that they brought in <laughs> I thought the reason that they brought in Patrick Kane was just simply for more scoring because I don't think you can have enough scoring because we talked about it before. You know, last year what your issue was was when Raymond didn't score, when Larkin didn't score, you kind of went into a tailspin. Now this year you got a little bit more scoring. You're a little bit better of a team, but there's always an ability to add, especially when you think about the playoffs. And I love what Steve Eisenman said today. I was actually going to get one of the sound clips, but I couldn't because I ran out of time. But the sound clip of Stevie Y saying he doesn't do anything for – ticket sales or anything he says that's the way to get my get me fired he said he does it for on ice production and then if you listen to um patrick kane talk because he talked just after uh stevie y talked he said the reason he came here is because they're building something special he's always wanted to wear the wing wheel and that he thinks that they can go to the playoffs this year and if you think you're going to go to the playoffs this year which you think they potentially could because they're playing a really good brand of hockey right now. You go at it as much as you can add. And this deal that they added with Patrick Kane, it's not going to prohibit them from going out in, in the trade deadline and getting a defenseman or getting a goalie or doing anything like that. Cause they're paying them 2.75 million. I'm pretty sure there's some spud on another team that's making like 3 million that will, will not give the amounts of ability that Patrick Kane has. Well, and I'm glad that Steve said that, too, because I'll tell you, that's the very first thing that people were saying to me. You know, my phone starts blowing up yesterday. I have a former uh, coach and a former player for the Boston Bruins. You know, the position was Steve is doing this for PR. This is a PR move or this is kind of a, I don't say a a balls out move, you know, to show that he's got them and that he can get a guy like Patrick Kane, so to speak. You know, they thought it was more of an ego driven sort of a thing. I I never thought that I, you know, and and maybe just because I'm not in that circle, I don't, um, I'm not a hockey player clearly. Um, So I, maybe I didn't see that, but I didn't see that. What I saw Steve adding is I saw that he saw the way this team was going. He knows they have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. They've made themselves contenders. Um, And I think that he wants to give them the very best chance to go deep into the playoffs. Because the other thing, when we talk about the playoffs, a lot of people are talking about they're going to squeak in, they're going to get knocked out in the first round. That's the other thing I'm hearing. I'll tell you my bold prediction that I said I was going to reveal on the show that I'm going to reveal here. My bold prediction is that they go to the conference finals. Wow. Isn't that a bold prediction? Not only do I think... I don't think they're just – I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to go to the conference finals. Now, will they make it to the Stanley Cup finals? I can't say that. I think I think the conference finals is going to be a huge challenge for them. But I do think they'll go to the conference finals. Now, the good news is, is if they happen to meet the Boston Bruins in the conference finals, um, they have done very well against Boston. And they, again, tend to rise to the occasion when challenged. So, um, I think that 
Patrick Kane is the kind of guy that they're looking for a caliber player like Patrick Kane to do exactly that. I think they're looking to the conference finals. I think that that's a lofty goal. Obviously, when you talk about the conference finals, you're talking about everything clicking. But we just saw last year what happens when you just get in the playoffs. Like, you literally don't know what's going to happen. And a guy, and if let's say if Patrick Kane is 80% of what he was last year and you add someone at the deadline, and then next thing you know, you you add a defenseman at the deadline, you just never really know where it's going to go. So I do I do think that with with the with with what the Red Wings did getting Patrick Kane, I think that was a key, um, just a key move that they needed to do. I mean, you look at his stats from last year: seventy three games, twenty one goals, thirty six assists, fifty seven points. He doesn't have to be someone that's like, like he doesn't have to be vintage Patrick Kane. But what Patrick Kane does excel at is he does excel at assists and he does excel at shooting the puck. So if you are like, if you wanted to add a little bit of offense, here you go. I mean, there's there's guys all around the all around the team that are adding offense. One of the guys that I really want to profile right now, I mean, well, I'm gonna profile him right now, is Joe Valeno. I mean, his shot percentage is 26.7. He's playing on the top line right now. Five goals, two assists, seven points. I think that was before the Boston game, but. That's Joe Valeno has been playing out of his mind lately. And, and if you can add a guy like Patrick Kane, I'm all for it. And for people to say it's about selling tickets. I mean, it's, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like if you really wanted to sell tickets, you would go parade out some has been that like, uh, likes to fight because that will sell tickets too. Well, I think that's their argument is that, that Patrick Kane is exactly that he's, he's a has been, he's old He's coming off an injury, a recovery from an injury that is unknown uh, of how he's going to perform now. And so there, I think that's kind of where people are kind of going with it inside of the um, professional hockey ranks, or at least the former professional hockey ranks. So, but I don't think so. Now the question though, and it's interesting you brought up Joe Valeno. And by the way, uh, I've been saying for a couple of years now that almost making a personal appeal to Joe Valeno saying, Joe, you know, I, there's a reason we know stuff, okay? And so I'm telling him, Joe, you got to get serious. You got to stop, you know, focusing on some things and start putting more focus here because your job is really at risk. And I think he, that finally clicked for him this year. He knows that. And whether all things are working for him, I'm happy for him. I really am. I'm really glad that that he's done that. And I think the difference, and I usually used to package him and Zadina together. I'd say, you know, Valeno and Zadina are the two that are kind of in trouble right here. But the one thing about Valeno that is that I know has been reported to me, and I think it's been reported kind of out there in the general media, is that one of the benefits that Joe Valeno has going for him is that he's teachable. He knew he had to get better. He didn't have an attitude about it. He didn't, he wasn't, um, you know, someone who didn't think that he needed help to make improvements. I mean, he was willing to take, he was coachable. He was definitely more coachable and he knew it. So he made that adjustment. Obviously he's incorporated a lot of those changes and it's, it's worked for him. And it, as a result, he's been able to contribute uh, to the success the Red Wings have had so far. What an interesting question is, and I posted to you yesterday and I don't know if you've given it any thought, but since you brought up Joe Valeno and the fact that he's been playing on the first line occasionally, now that you're bringing on Patrick Kane, he's going to displace somebody in the top six. They're not going to put Patrick Kane in the bottom six. So whose spot's he going to take? I have, in my opinion, on what I think is going to happen. I'd like to hear your opinion, Joe, on who you think 
uh, Patrick Kane is going to displace in the top six. Uh, potentially Perron. I would think that would be someone that you'd probably, because if, 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 I mean, if you keep the way it is, I mean, to bring it, I mean, you're probably going to play Patrick Kane to bring it together. That's what I, that's my feeling. I think so. Do you think you'd have to? So, I mean, there's a couple lines that you can put it, but I think the perfect person to pair him with in the center portion is a guy like JT Comfort or Andrew Kopp, you know? I mean, JT Comfort played with, uh, he played with Nate. He played with uh, Miko Rotnin last year, so I mean, he knows how to get players a puck. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Like, he knows his role, and his role is not that to be the offensive juggernaut. He can be an offensive player, but he does have a good uh, sense of when to pass, where to pass to, and with guys like Patrick Kane and Alex Debrinket, like if you just get him a good center. I mean, you could even put them with Larkin, but I think that'd be kind of overdoing the first line. You want to spread it out a little bit. Just want to give them a little bit of spread out. But I just think that if you – I think Valeno playing with Larkin has been really, really – it's worked really, really well. Um, and I think that you're going to have to pair Debrinket and Kane together. So who would you put at the center position? That's the main point. Like yeah, someone... that's a good question. That's a good question. I, I think that top line is going to be – uh, Larkin, Debrinket, and King. I do think they're going to do that. Now, who I think they're going to move out of that top line position is Lucas Raymond because Lucas Raymond's been playing the top line too. I think they're. Yeah. I think you're going to see Lucas Raymond moving moving down, and he's been actually having a pretty good run. Um, I think he's getting a lot better, uh, but I don't. I, I I just I think if they got to move somebody, they're going to move they're going to move Raymond uh, down to probably. You know, second line, they might move Perron to the third line. Um, but, you know, then he got sprung. they got that fourth line that's working really well for them. I don't know if they're going to make any changes, though, because if it all bumps down, I, I just don't think they want to make changes to that fourth line when it's working so well so far. So that's the sprung line, you know. So I don't I don't think they're going to do that. But I, I do think he'll displace uh, Lucas Raymond. Yeah, I'm trying to look at the last pairings that they had together because uh, that's kind of going to give me a sense of uh... – what to kind of expect, but I'm, I'm scrolling. So they had Valeno, Larkin, and Raymond on the first line. They had Costin, Fisher, and Sprong, second line. Third was Debrinket, Comfort, and Rasmussen. Now, I do like the Rasmussen, but I think if you brought Debrinket up with uh, Comfort and Kane, I think that would be a very formidable line. I really do. And, and then I, maybe have Valeno anchor the – well, you're not going to put Larkin on the second line. No, but Larkin would be still be in the first line with Belano and Raymond because I think that is a good combination right there. I think it's done a pretty damn good job too. Well, because it's you know it's not so much much necessarily putting the entire talent. It's not a matter of a level of talent on the line. It's a matter I think a matter of chemistry, and it's who plays well together. You yeah. know. Well, I I, w- I also look at it as like you need. I think every line on your team should have a guy that's just a gritty, especially if you got a guy like um. Kane or to bring it on your on your team is one guy has to go in and get the puck in the dirty areas do the things that you know you don't expect Kane to do you really don't want Kane to do because of his hip uh, you don't want to bring it to do it because he's a smaller player so like yeah. a guy like Andrew Copper JT Confer, I think they're okay going into the corners being dirty kind of making mucking stuff up and I remember back to when Zetterberg and Datsuk were on a line together they were paired with Ablocator 
And a lot of people didn't like Abdelkader because of his contract. But the one thing that you could say about Abdelkader is he worked perfectly with Datsuk and Zetterberg, either one of them. Like he really worked perfectly with them because whenever they whenever they needed someone to go in the corner to get the puck, he was usually the guy to do it. And you go throughout, you know, the Red Wings history with Stevie Y. He was he always had a guy on his line that would go retrieve the puck, go you know go to those dirty areas, make sure that he gets the puck. You know, that's what the great player that's what great players do. And I think like you look at Connor McDavid in Ed, Edmonton, and you look at Austin Matthews, and I don't think they have those guys. Like I think there's too much emphasis put on their star potential of, you know, it's the star of Austin Matthews being a star, Connor McDavid. I mean, they need guys that are gritty. They need guys that are willing to go in the corners, play dirty, kind of buck it up and get them the puck. And I don't think that's, I think that's one of the main reasons why those two teams have not, you know, excelled in the playoffs. Because when you get to the playoffs, you need to have guys like that. You just do. Like well, that's the- it. You know, you got to have the right ingredients, right? I mean, even when you bake a cake, you know, I hate to throw such a feminine, um, stereotypical uh, example in there. I do bake cakes, but I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily your works, uh, model housewife or anything. <laughs> but no, but really, I mean, one of the things you ever baked a cake, you know, yeah, it's got sugar in it. It's got all the things you expect. It's got all the sweet stuff. But there's always that little pinch of salt. And that will make all the difference sometimes. You know, if you leave it out, there's something missing. It doesn't work optimally. It's not as good as it could be. And it's like the same thing. You need some of these guys that will go in there and do the things that the sugar can't do. You know, you can have all the fancy, you know, stick handling you want, all the guys who are going to be hanging out in front of, you know, all the guys who are going to make those fancy passes and, and all that stuff and got speed and agility and skill and all that. But you need those guys who are willing to go where those guys won't. And like you said, get roughed up a little bit. And some guys you just can't afford to get roughed up. You don't want them getting roughed up, but you've got some other guys that will fill that role. So I I, I can see where you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that like, you know, obviously when you look at like those got those teams, like you go, why aren't they winning? Well, I don't think they're built the right way, especially for the playoffs. I mean, you can break all the records in the season that you want, yeah. but when, when you get to the playoffs, it's a totally different game. It's like I tell Lions fans, okay? Like you could sit here all day long and talk about how you got you want to you want a quarterback like uh Patrick Mahomes or you want a guy like Jalen Hurts or you want a guy like um Josh Allen. Those are few and far between. The yeah. there's been teams that have won without those guys, right? So the reality of the situation is what is what does it take to win in the playoffs? You need a run game, you need an offensive line, you need to get to the passer. That's what you need. In fo- hockey, it's the same thing. You need certain identities to your f- hockey team that will help you propel you into like the next round and go you're, when you're moving forward. I mean, Florida wasn't the most talented team in the Eastern Conference last year. That's a foregone conclusion. They had Kachuk, they had Barkov, but they didn't have like they didn't have the lines that you know the Maple Leafs have, right, or the Bruins had. But they just beat you to shreds same thing with the vegas golden knights and i know people want to classify jack eichel as a superstar go be it i know that people will think he's a superstar i don't but whatever go be whatever do what right. you want to do right. um but the fact of the matter is they had good cold tending they were gritty they beat you to your they beat you to your knees basically and they played good defense and that's the winning identity for hockey teams and when you look at the red wings they can get better on defense, obviously. 
but the one thing I can say about them is they have some key identifiers like that, that they like to uh, play gritty, play dirty, play, you know, they like to muck it up, like as I said. So when I look at that, I say, okay, that's going to help this team more than, you know, just um, some random, you know, thing. Well, and I think that, you know, they've got to take care of this goaltending problem. Now, the good news is, so a couple things. I'm like, you know, one of the other things I alluded to this yesterday that Patrick Kane might bring to the table is when you've got guys like Debrinket and Kane, and once you see them start to really make progress, like you've seen the Lions. Now everybody wants to play for the Lions, right? Nobody wanted to come to Detroit. Now everybody wants to come to Detroit because primarily I think of 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 uh, Dan Campbell, to be honest with you. They want to play for that guy. But they love the results that he's getting. Once the Detroit Red Wings get that kind of identity where people want to play there, they want to come here for whatever reason. It's the combination of people they're with. And you'll see later in your career in anything. And I think that if Patrick Kane were with us today, he would probably agree with this is that, you know, he's at a point in his career where he can choose where he wants to go and who he wants to play with. It's not so much about the money anymore. I can tell you this. I'm at kind of, I don't want to say the twilight of my career too, but you know, you, you look for more than just financial opportunity. You're looking for where am I going to be fulfilled? Where's there going to be some fulfillment me playing here? That's when he alludes to, or he says, you know, they're creating something special. I think that's exactly what he means. Plus he gets to play with guys that he's actually going to enjoy coming to work with and playing. You know what I mean? So he's, he has that luxury to make that choice. And I think that's one of the reasons he chose Detroit. So maybe one of the reasons Detroit also chose him, not only because what he can produce, but also if they're going out into the market to look for a goaltender or look for anything else that they need to pick up late season, you're, they're going to see, oh, well, I get to play, play with Patrick Kane. I get to play with Alex Debrinkit. I get to play with all of these guys who are, um, you know, people that I want to play with. And so I, maybe that gives them a little bit of an edge even there, even as they're looking for additional pieces to fill in the puzzle. But when we're talking about netminders, I say the one good thing is that, and you called this, Joe, I'll give you this victory lap because you said it very, very early on, I think preseason, um, even over the, the summertime, you said, look for Alex Lyon. I think Alex Lyon can be, there it is, the most surprising player. <laughs> yeah. There you have it. There we go. There you I mean, go. You, so you, you, you got are... that one nailed. I think he is the most surprising player for a lot of people right now. I mean, they're even talking about it. I read an article just yesterday talking about how Alex Lyon is the guy who should be the backup goaltender. Yeah, I agree. The... I agree with that, especially with that. See, there was something that James Reimer did that I thought was so unforgivable. I really did, especially – you know that one where the guy swung at it and, you know, he ducked and the puck went in the net? Yeah. I think that's that was such a garbage ass play just by a goalie. Like that's totally like um that's totally like an offensive lineman like knowing that he's about to get rocked, just like not standing in there and just yeah. getting protecting his passer. Like I thought that was such garbage. Like I, I as a as a goalie, like I, I don't understand how you do that. First of all, I, I know that you see a stick flying in the air, but you got a helmet on, dude. You're fine. Like, it's not a skate flying at you. You know, it's it's a freaking stick. Like, you have a puck flying at you. Like, <laughs> what do you want to get hit with more, the stick or the puck? Let's, let's be honest. But I do like Alex Lyon. I think that he's been playing really, really well, and I think that he's adds stability to that. that because I, I do think that, and we talked about it, I, one of my major concerns with this Rebbings team was the goaltending. I thought if, they have, if they're going to make the playoffs, if they're going to make a run here, 
they got to be better at the goaltending position. And so far, so good, especially these last three games. I mean, uh, the shutout that was that was ex, ex, that was great, but they've they've yeah. held teams under three goals. So if you hold teams under three goals, more often than not, you're gonna win the game. Like that's just the reality. Well, and I think they're starting to finally figure out what works. And I think also let's not discount. I think the work that Newsy Lalonde has been doing to try to get this thing figured out. I give Newsy a lot of credit because I think he recognized that there was, you know, he tried something it didn't work. So, you know, he did something kind of unusual, you know, and he switched to this 11 and seven. I, I'm hearing my cat. <laughs> he very much wants to participate. Um, he's very vocal. So he's you know, very vocal. This 11, seven um, format, right. A model that he's going for. It's typically not something that you do long-term. Uh, you don't, you no. do it. Only in certain sections, but hey, if it's working, keep doing it. And he's allowed that to continue. He's had three successes doing that. It'll be interesting to see if he goes with the 11 and 7 again here when they start against New York. This New York Rangers game that's coming up here is to me absolutely critical. They are one of the best teams in the league, hands down. And let's see how, if Detroit can continue the uh, degree of success that they've had. With these other high-caliber teams, let's see if they can continue it against the Rangers. I'm very excited to, to watch that and see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be on TNT, which they never do good on TNT. I don't know why, but it's, it seems like every time they're on, they, they lose. But, but here's the, here's the thing. I think that I think that the Red Wings, the way that they're playing, is great. And you hit on it with the 11-7. and seven. I think that's a very uh, – that's been a great move by New Zealand alone because here's what it does it, – you know, when you play 11 forwards, obviously one's going to play double time, which you're going to get more chances for your guys to get out, like the Brinkett or Larkin or or uh, Valeno or Raymond or whatever. They're going to play more ice time, so that's good. Uh, but it also has it also keeps your D fresh. And can you do this all throughout the season? No, you cannot. And right. is he picking the right spots to play the 11 and 7? Absolutely. He's doing a great job of that. And I think that's what you know. That's kind of how you figure out if you get a good coach. You know, good coaches, they kind of figure out things like, okay, I'm going to, it's like in football. Like if you, if you, if you, if you don't. All right, folks, as the weather gets colder, the NFL off. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't dress up, if you don't dress a player, like you leave them on your, uh, you leave them on the other part of the roster or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, You're, you're like, if they're game day scratches or whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, if you don't, if they're not, you know. You pick your poison. Like there's games where like there's one player that you didn't expect to not be, um, you didn't expect him to be like non-active, and that that's when a, a coach kind of puts it all together and says, "I don't think he's the right fit for this game," and that's okay because that tells you that your coach has a great read on the players that he has, also the room he has, also the strategy he has. And I vote. There's a lot of things that go into those equations, and I think that if you're a smart coach and you do stuff like that, you're one step ahead of the competition because a lot of people don't think like that. Like a lot of people don't think like Belichick did with the "we got to win special teams." You know, I don't think a lot of people thought with Scotty Bowman. You know, with Scotty Bowman doing his puck possession and then doing the, uh, you know, having a fast line and having a slower line. Like I don't think I don't think people thought about that, you know. Like there's certain things that you do in hockey and football, and baseball that it's all scheme driven. And if you yep. don't have the right coach, you're done. And I think that what the loans doing with this eleven and seven, 
He's picking the right spots and it's working. Absolutely. You know, and credit to him because there are so many moving parts that go into those decisions. And if people only understood that, I mean, I, I think some people do, but then they forget. You know, he's looking, he's got to look long term. He's got to look at not only who's he going to play today, who's he going to play tomorrow, the next week, whatever. Who does he have coming in? Who does he have going out? Who's he got on IR? Who does he, you know, what are his options? And so on and so forth. So sometimes he's having to ice a team that maybe not be his first choice, but it's the best choice given given his circumstances at the time. So, I mean, there's some things, those decisions that get made at the last minute. So, um, but I, I agree with you. I think he's doing the right things at the right time. I think he needed, I think this 11 and seven that's working, the wings needed this boost of confidence. Their confidence was really, I think very, they needed these wins. They're so, yeah. in fact, when we go through, we're at the end of the season and we talk about what were the most important games, what were the most critical, what was the most critical tier, period of time what was the fulcrum point right where did things change where was that pivot point i will tell you these three games that they just won and if they win this fourth one against new york even better but these last three games that they have won will be the turning point in the detroit red wings season because it could have gone either way because after they left sweden i know they were disheartened i know they were down they were expecting to do much better than what they did and it didn't happen and so these three wins were absolutely critical so the fact that this helps them regain confidence, regain momentum at a critical time of the season uh, in order to catapult them to further success, uh, along with bringing on Patrick Kane, I really do think Patrick Kane is going to be, to a certain extent, a game changer. Um, mm-hmm. But more so, I think they're already on that trajectory with these, this, this uh, you know, triple this trifecta of wins that they had recently. This is going to be a turning point for the Wings. I promise you, I feel it. Um, this is going to go back. And we're going to say this was a critical moment for the for the Wings this season in terms of what their future success is going to be. Well, it's like I say with the Lions, right? I have a video coming out tonight for Lions fans. If you're you know, if people are on the podcast or they're watching right now, but uh, I I talk about that with my Lions video. I say, you know, there's turning points to every part of the season, right? Um, and mainly in the beginning and the middle portion of the season, there is a big time turning point. And in hockey, you know, if you don't win the games in November, late to November, early December, it can come back to haunt you. And in football, it's a shorter season. Obviously, you play 17 games. But those games in November and October, if you sleepwalk a couple of them, you can lose them. And then next thing you know, you're, you're kind of trying to fight back at the end. What I take account for with the Red Wings in terms of what they're doing is they did get their self off the map. They did play a better brand of hockey in the last three games. And it's kind of like what I see with the Lions. Like, is everything perfect right now? No, it's not perfect. But the right. thing about it is they're managing to not fall behind. That's the major thing. Like, you can lose games like that you're supposed to win. Like, the Lions are supposed to win the Thanksgiving game. They didn't. But you'd rather have that happen now because um, if that happens late in the season – I mean that's a big time loss. So you you these games that you win in November and December in hockey are just absolutely huge because we saw it last year, Cindy. We talked about it on, on this podcast is when you when <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> when you when you uh when you have these big when you have these wins in November and December or you don't win in November and December, um 
those come back to haunt you. Like they just do. And we'll have to hope that um, this is not a haunting moment for the Detroit Red Wings this season, because it was last season. This is where things went, you know, downhill. This was a pivotal moment for them last year and it didn't go well. Now it seems to be going in the right direction. The addition of Patrick Kane, I think is going to be another shot in the arm, going to give them more confidence, going to help them further solidify their identity. Because, you know, that's the one thing though, and they are starting to have somewhat of an identity, but I don't think they're quite there like the Lions are. The Lions have a very, very clear identity in part because of the strong personality of Dan Campbell. Whereas New Zealand alone's a little bit more on the laid back side. It's going to take a very strong personality to bring the identity of the Red Wings out, whatever they start to develop, to bring it out. And I think that um, Patrick Kane could certainly be one of those people. I mean, you know he's going to get followed, that the media is going to follow this. You know, everybody's going to be looking to the Detroit Red Wings now, like they started looking to the Lions. And that additional, it'll be interesting to see how the Red Wings handle that additional scrutiny and pressure, because there's definitely going to be that too. So that's, a, uh, I think, a factor that they maybe did not have before that might be different. And let's see how they react to that. Hopefully they'll react favorably. It does seem that way to me. And, and that's the, one of the silver linings is that, again, when the, the, when the Red Wings get challenged, when they need to prove who they are, they tend to do that. So perhaps this additional scrutiny, pressure, uh, attention that they're going to be getting by having Debrinket and Kane and all of these, you know, solid, solid guys that have um, that are just basically newsworthy. You know, it's kind of like bringing on Connor McDavid or you bring on Bedard or somebody else that they've been talking right. about as, as they're already talking about Patrick Kane. So the fact that he's coming here, there's going to I mean, you know, how many people are going to be watching the first game that Kane plays in? I mean, that's probably going to be oh, one yeah. of the most watched games, right, of, of certainly of the month and maybe of the yeah. season. So a lot of people are going to be watching that. The Red Wings tend to do well um, under that kind of uh, environment. And so I think this could be very, very good for them in so many ways, just building in some of the intrinsic, uh, what we would say, like the intangibles, right? Um, I think right. you might see the intangible aspects of the game start to have a little bit more of an impact on the on-ice performance and what we end up seeing on the scoreboard at the end of the day. I forget who it was on the NHL Network Radio. Uh, I have, the so, for some reason, SiriusXM showed up on my car uh, because you know how they do that stupid trial thing where they go on and off, on and off. But I forget who it was, but it was a former player, and he said that sometimes your general manager brings in a heavy personality that the 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 league knows who he is. He's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, you know he I, he was saying I think he was the I think it was the Penguins that he was on. Forget who it was, but he was on a Peng. I think he was on the Penguins. But they brought in a veteran personality to the team. No, it was the Kings. My bad. It was Jeff Carter. They were talking about Jeff Carter bringing Jeff Carter to the Kings. Okay. And they're a young team. They're still trying to figure out their identity, what they're doing, what's. You know, how do they play the right way? How do they, you know, win these games in March and April and, and go into the playoffs and how they do this? Well, bringing in Jeff Carter, uh, you know, the outside media started to take notice of the LA Kings. Yeah. And then when things didn't go well, Jeff Carter would answer the bell because he, and he would he would teach the young kids and mainly Anze Kopitar, who became a really good player. But they, he said that, like, sometimes your general manager brings in a heavy personality just to help the room realize that like the moment is a big, big, but you don't have to think about it all the time because he says 
with some teams you see them and you go okay they got they got issues like they got issues they're they're when they when the moment gets too big they become you know they they've collapsed right look at the leafs you know look at the oilers yes i mean when you when you have when you don't have that veteran presence in that locker room, like a real veteran presence, I mean, David mm-hmm. Perron's a veteran presence, but you have multiple of those guys in there. That's what, that's what is, that's what, when you were, when you're trying to rebuild a culture, a winning culture, you have to bring those guys in. You just do. And with the lions, you know, they brought in CJ Gardner Johnson. Has that worked out yet? No, but they brought guys in that like, they're going to help you with the personality that they have get ready for the, the moment that you're going to be preparing for, you mm-hmm. know, these two teams that we're talking about, the Red Wings and the Lions, they're both young teams. They're still trying to figure it out. Like they're, they're not, you know, right. Hutchinson said that like, they're still trying to figure out how to get through this whole stretch and, and go to the playoffs. And that's something they're trying to figure out. The Red Wings are doing the same thing. Like mm-hmm. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to, this is a bit, this, a lot of those players haven't made a playoff run. So they're going to lean on David Perron. They're going to leave. They're, they're going to lean on Alex Abrinkit. They're going to lean on you know um, JT Comfort, Andrew Cop, Justin Hall, uh, G- Jeff Petrie. Like these guys that they have as veteran leaders, those are going to be guys that they lean on. Well, you know, I don't know what exactly is going to be. I don't think it's going to be necessarily one thing, right? That does it for the Red Wings. I I think it's going to be a compilation of things yeah i i am a little still concerned about goaltending i'm yep. not gonna lie i'm still concerned about that um i think alex lyon's having a great little run how long will it last don't know um and will billy Huso be able to fill in with enough wins in the meantime between those times you know what i'm saying so I, i'm not sure i'm still a little concerned about it but um, I know against the New York Rangers tonight, it's going to be an absolute test because when we're looking at the New York, and I don't know if you prepared any kind of a, a graphic or anything on this, but you know some of the stats uh, for the New York Rangers that the Wings are going to have to deal with is obviously they're tied for the most wins in the NHL. Uh, 31 points is the second. They're tied for second most points mm-hmm. in the league. Um, they're number one in faceoffs. Yep. They've got a tremendous face-off game. They have the best face-off percentage in the NHL right now, 55.7%. That's something that the Wings are going to have to deal with. I know we have we were doing very well in the face-off circle, and then we started to have a couple of challenges there. Uh, but I think I think that's one point where the Wings might be able to neutralize the Rangers. And the the, the fact that the Rangers are on a bit of a little bit of a streak right now, it's hard to say when they're when they're winning as much as they are. It's kind of like there's. There's always a winning streak for them. But uh, in particular, right now, in their last uh, nine out of ten games, um, they've learned at least a point. And, um, but the Red Wings, I think, can be competitive there. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got some opportunity. And I would really like to see the Wings put forth. Now, the thing of it is, we don't have Dylan Larkin on the ice today. We don't yeah. have Patrick Kane in the lineup today. So can you imagine – the impact if the wings can win without Larkin in the lineup, that's without huge. Patrick Kane in the lineup, that's huge, huge. And, huge. And, that's why this game is so important. And, and then, and, and it, you know, for people that are on the podcast listening, probably the next day or whatever, um, you know, with the Rangers, their defensive stats are unreal. It's their third in goals against average, their 11th in shots on goals allowed, 
they're seventh in penalty kills. Um, they do, they do, uh, they they don't shoot the puck as much. They're twenty fifth in shots on goal. Um, their shooting percentage is seventh. Detroit's fifth, uh, and their faceoff percentage, like you said, is first in the NHL. So, this is a game where if you know Comfer or uh, Cop is getting a major boost because obviously no Larkin that's a huge loss, but it, you kind of have to fill the void. And if you can win this game, the amount of confidence that you're going to get winning this game yes. is unparalleled. You're going to, you're going to have a ton of confidence because not only did you make it without your captain, you made it without your new uh, shiny toy. And right. that, that'll, that'll give them, that'll give them the confidence. Like, Oh, when these guys get back, like when these guys get in the lineup, we are actually going to hit the ground running. And, and and they will because I I look at the the rubbing schedule and I I I say they played a hard schedule the past couple games with the Senators the Maple Leafs the Bruins the Devils but I look at the next couple games and there's a winnable games here there's the Blackhawks but that's a winnable game there's the Canadians I know the Canadians are playing good but that's a winnable game Sabers without no uh, Tage Thompson that's a winnable game uh, the Sharks winnable game you have to win that game uh the senators the stars the blues those are the stars and blues are in the road but you, you before christmas you got the flyers you got the jets you got the flyers again and the devils like so there this schedule is set up to where if you can just win seven eight of these games you put yourself in a great position after january 1st to hit the ground running and kind of make a run you know and I think that if you could stay in this top three of the Atlantic Division, you're going to be all set. Well, and, you know, the, the thing is that we have to be a little bit wary of, and I think that they are. I don't think they're ignoring it. But right now they're third. Uh, they're in third position in the standings right now. But they have Toronto and um, uh, Tampa Bay that are right on their heels. They're tied. Yeah. I think they've t- they're tied for points. So in Tampa Bay, I think is up playing. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is a, is coming up against uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I think that uh, we did the other uh, the Toronto's coming up against uh, Seattle. It's the other way around. Those guys yeah. are playing Seattle and Pittsburgh next, and so I don't know how those those uh, matchups stack up, but I think those are winnable games for both of them. I mean, I'm not saying that Pittsburgh and Seattle are throwaway teams by any means, but I think that that the Leafs and, and the, and the bolts will have an honest shot to beat those teams. And if that's the case, really that's makes this game tonight all the more critical. And if they lose against the Rangers tonight, they might be able to make up some ground as you pointed out coming up here. But yeah. what we're going to find is that now they're not in that third position. Now all of a sudden they're fifth position, sixth position. And now people are talking about them being back in the wild card race. And that could be really uh you know, that'll be another hurdle that they're going to have to get over psychologically to get themselves back up there into contention uh, for a playoff spot. Now, you know, I love this stat. You know, I love this stat. This stat is, this is what separates the good teams from the bad teams, in my opinion. Because for a while, the Red Wings have been the team that's been on the opposite side of the equation. Right. Do you know who is the first best team in the Eastern Conference in terms of goal differential? Gold differential in the Eastern Conference? Yeah. Mm, I'm tempted to say it, but I'm going to let you tell it. Go ahead. It's the team they're playing tonight, the Rangers. 
Yeah. The second best is the Boston Bruins at plus 16. That's what I would have said. I would have said Boston. Boston's second. Do you know who's third? Who's third? The Red Detroit Ravens. Yeah. So I, 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 I caution people because I know people look at it and they go, well, you know, they're they're going, you know, they, they're fighting with uh, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you look at the goal differential, this really paints a picture of how your team is going to really – Either they're gonna they're gonna keep going or they're gonna not. And if you're a plus ten or above right now, I look at you and I go, okay, you got a really good shot. You got a really good shot to win and go to the playoffs. The only team outside the playoff race right now that is a plus differential is the Pittsburgh Penguins at plus ten, which makes no damn sense. But that goes to show you that, like, okay, look. It's a give or take that kind of situation. When you score more goals, obviously the goal differential is going to go up. But if you're not giving up those goals, the goal differential, you know, is, is staying the same. But at, where they're at in goal differential, I think that's huge for this team. I think that like when you look at third in the in the Eastern Conference, that's pretty huge. I mean, you're ahead of other teams, and that tells you that like as good as everyone is behind you, like trying, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and all those teams they're not keeping the puck out of their net or they're not scoring enough. And that's how it goes sometimes. And I, when I look at, when I look at Toronto, I go, well, who's their goalie? You know, that's a Stanley cup kind of contender. And we don't know who their goalie is. We don't know who their defensemen are. And, and it's shown in the stats, you know, obviously we know Tampa Bay is going to get better when they get Vasilevsky back. But at the same time, this is kind of the portion of the schedule where you can either make or break your playoff hopes. And we've talked about that before. Yes. And the thing with the Detroit Red Wings in terms of the, again, it, their problem has been consistency, consistency, consistency. I hope we don't have to keep talking about it because, but it's, 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 the ch- it's a challenge for them. I think uh, they got to lay down that identity. You've got to get that situated. You got the goaltending situation. You got to get some consistency going on. Um, and you, you have to, the other thing we haven't talked about that I think it's going to take for them to lock in a playoff spot is they have to control not taking bad penalties. They're taking too many bad penalties. They're spending too much time in the box. You got too many valuable assets that are spending time in the box when they need to be on the ice. That's costing them. So they need to do that. So they need to get a little bit better control over whatever is causing these penalties. And if they're going to have guys out there taking penalties, have them be guys that are, are, are marginal. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You, you don't want to take penalties in, in any shape or form. But, right. you know, sometimes you go through a kind of a stretch where you're taking penalties and you're hurting your team. I mean, I can, I can tell you, like, personally, like, when you take penalties, you hurt your team. And it's not just because you're out of the game or whatever the case may be. It's because they're going to be a man down. And these teams in the NHL, they prioritize being good on the power play, being good on the penalty kill. And the fact of the matter is there's a lot of talent in this, this, uh, this NHL. So you going on the power play, you go on the penalty kill against a team like Edmonton or Toronto and then bringing out all their big bosses, like, even Detroit, like if a team goes on the power on the penalty killer against Detroit, like more often than not, they're not really, they're not really going to stop you. Like that's just the way it is, and that's why penalties are like the great equalizer in the in hockey. Like if you take too many penalties, you are probably going to lose that game. I mean, it, the stats bear it out, especially in the playoffs. Like you know when the when the game gets tight, 
you yep. know, and, and, and that's what happens. And with these good teams, you can't take penalties. Like I remember last year, there was portions of last year where the Red Wings would be the better team. They would be the better team. And they just killed themselves because they were taking penalty after penalty after penalty. And when you give a team seven shots on, I mean, seven times on the power play, I mean, that's. They're going to score on one of them. Yeah. yeah they're going right. to score on one of them. They're going to score on two of them. Yeah, and then you're, yeah, then you're talking about, okay, we are, we are screwed right now. And that's the way, that's the way it goes. Like that is the great equalizer in the uh, hockey. So you, you can't take penalties. That's a great, that's a great uh, point. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the other, the last things. Cause I, I know that we're kind of getting close up here on Promenade game time or coming up on an hour on the podcast. So I knew we were kind of wrapping up. So yeah. I want to make sure to make that point because if they don't, resolve that issue then really the other things won't matter because they're going to be fighting uphill all the time and the thing well, of it is they're creating obstacles for themselves by always having themselves shorthanded or having themselves shorthanded more often than they than they they can be in order yeah, to be they're, they're 21st in penalty minutes so that's not great uh their, their penalty kill is 17th which is not great either like i said yeah. if you're if you're given if you're given too many teams chances like they're averaging 10 and a half minutes on the penalty kill. I mean, that's, that's five times you're taking a penalty. And if you take a penalty five times and they score twice, they score once. I mean, that's a difference in the game right there. And if it happens at a certain point in time in the, in the game where you're, you know, maybe it's the first period and it's the end of the first period, like they're going to go in with momentum. So staying out of the box is paramount. I think, Newsy said that a lot uh, in his press conferences. It's like, look, we got to stay out of the box. You know what I'm saying? Because he was talking about, I think it was, um, I think it was, I think it was, I think it was against the Sens. They took too many penalties that game. They found themselves in a freaking hole, like four nothing. Yeah. And they just, and they, they, they fought their way back, but they just never could get that extra goal because maybe that extra goal that they gave up on the power play, I mean, the penalty kill, that might have been the goal that tied it. Or that might have been the goal that won it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's how yeah, close really. the league is. That's how close the league is. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like if you take too many oh. penalties, you're gonna lose. This conference alone is just stacked. It's just stacked. The fact that the Red Wings are doing as well as they are among the talent that they're in is is I think testament to a certain degree as to how much better this team has gotten. It's kind of like the Lions. Look how much better they've gotten. Are they perfect yet? Are they where they need to be yet? No, but they've gotten so much better. And if they can just take these this point in time right now to to really enhance that and pick up some serious points against some teams that they need to beat um, for a number of reasons. They're going to find themselves very well positioned coming into the all-star break. That's what I want to see because you know that they're going to have some issues. And up to this point, we've been, and I hate to say it, knock on wood. I'm knocking on lots of wood because up to this point, they've been relatively healthy. They haven't had any significant injuries because God help them if they find themselves in a marginal position coming into the all-star break and they have suffer a serious injury or two or three, God help them because then it's going to be, you know, the, the playoffs in, in this environment that they're in with the New York Rangers, Boston Bruins, Florida Panthers, Toronto, Tampa Bay. I mean, you've got some serious, serious contenders here. New York, New Jersey Devils who could still come back and bite you. So when you're when you're in that, you don't have the luxury of, of being on the bubble or being a marginal team. 
you don't have those kind of, and Newsy Lalone said this, you don't have those kind of, you know, massive point scores. And now with Kane, you might have that, but you didn't have that before. You don't have guys who can come in and rescue you. Should somebody, you know, one of your key guys go down. What if, what if it's Dylan Larkin? What if it's Alex to you know, God forbid you don't have the depth that has demonstrated yet. Yeah. That they can go ahead and take over and then ride out that period of time between say the all-star break, maybe somewhere around like, you know, February ish, right. Where things could go downhill and they can go downhill very quickly. And you just don't have the ability to to make that up. So these points that they're going to gain in the month of December and early January are going to be very important to hedge that and to insulate against that potentially happening. We hope it doesn't, but you have to plan like it's going to, and we need these points to insulate us in that regard. To further prove your point, and I know you were talking about the Eastern Conference and how talented it is, think of this. Seven of the top ten teams on the power play are in the Eastern Conference. There you go. So Another and, reason, you know, the, why you need to get better on the power play and not take uh, – Because every, every team in this conference is good on the power play, it seems yeah. like. I mean, I think it's – if you want to go top 15, I think it's nine out of the top 15. So – what only five, only six teams are not in the Eastern Conference? All right, cool. Like that's that's how you get yourself lost. And when you're in the Eastern Conference, like it's a way tougher conference. So you the margin of error is so minuscule, right? So minuscule that you like one little penalty that you took that could have been the stupidest penalty ever, or just like a stupid lapse in judgment. You put your stick where someone was, or you 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 were too heavy on the puck and you got a high stick up there and you got four minutes instead of two minutes. I mean, those are the kind of things that lose you games in the Eastern Conference. If you go to the box more often than not, the other team is going to score. And that's just the way the stats bear it out. You so know, you can't you can't expect things to break your way. That's no. the other thing is that I think that the Wings have faced some real adversity lately. I mean, that slew foot move on to Brinkett. Come on. Wasn't even called. I mean, I, I don't like the way that went down, you know, and you yeah. got to prepare for things like that that are going to happen. And the the more they become contenders, the more that that stuff is going to happen. So the better, the more insulated you can be, the more insurance you can have, the better. And I think back to kind of round this out at the end of the day, I really do think that that's what Patrick Kane is. He's an insurance policy that Steve Eiserman took out on the, the possibility that his team might be looking toward a serious deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I just, I, I like you, we talked about earlier in the podcast, I think that when they got Patrick Kane, it sent a message to the whole team saying, look, we haven't been competitive in the playoffs. We need guys that can help us. And I don't care how old he is or whatever. I mean, there's a player that is now in the front office that dealt with a similar type injury late in his career, and that was Stevie Y. So of right. all people that knows about serious injuries that could be career enders or whatever the case may be, it's Steve Eiserman. And this is a great sh- uh, shot for the Red Wings because when you get to the trade deadline, maybe you don't have to add scoring. Maybe you could just go into the trade deadline, you add defenseman, like you grab a, a premium defenseman and you say, screw it, we're going in on it because we might be one of the better teams. Or you go get a goaltender like, like, like Soros or – Someone like that, you know, you never know who can become available at the trade deadline. So my point is this. So my point is this. You get Patrick Kane 
might save you from pennying up some more to get a score at the deadline because we know how hard those can be to uh, get at the deadline. That's I right. Mean, you know, last year the deadline started at what in January. I mean, and then by the time we got to the trade deadline, there was nothing left. So if you waited to the trade deadline, you were You're screwing too late. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think that it's smart that, you know, Stevie Y pulled the trigger on Patrick Kane like he did. And I think it's smart because now he's going to have ability to get chemistry with his teammates. And then when you go to the January and February, you're not in March, you're not bringing in a new guy on the offensive end that's going to have to learn, you know, how does comfort pass? Like, what does he look for for a guy that he's going to pass to? And, you know, right. what is, what does Patrick Kane do with Dylan Larkin on his, uh, as a center? Like, you know, Dylan Larkin does have familiarity with uh, Patrick Kane. They did play with the yes. USA together. So, Yes. I, I do I do like this a lot. I, I think that the way that CVY has played this has been masterful, and I expect nothing less from CVY the way that he's played this because he's done a damn good job of you know making this roster whole while we wait for the kids to come up from the Grand Rapids. Like he said, I'm not waiting no more. I'm not waiting. If they want to come, they they have to earn their way up, and that's a great yep. great way to do it because that's what the Revenants did when they were flying high. Yep. And we said this a long time ago that this period of time is critical. This is going to really tell the tale. And we also said that if Stevie Y was going to make a move, he needed to do it before Christmas. And he, yep. and he did exactly that. So I think that tells you, I'll use one of your lines, Joe, tells you all you need to know. Tells about... you all you need to know. <laughs> that really tells you all you need to know. Now let's see if the Red Wings can execute. I think Steve is giving them all of, the resources and tools that they need now it's now it's on them. Yep. That's all, that's all you need to know. I mean, that's, that's all literally, that's all you need to know. I mean, that's, and you that's, need to know that if you want to know the news before it hits, before your traditional sports, if you want to know what's really going on, you got to like and follow red alert podcast. And then, yeah. And then, and then we'll, we'll get it to going, but it's been uh, it's been a great podcast this time. We had a great we had a great week because we got some news. We got the Rebels are playing yeah. good. Hopefully they continue this going in the night. Uh, for people that are listening on the podcast, obviously we're recording before the New York Rangers Detroit Rebels game, but it's gonna be it's gonna work out fine. So, I'm going to grab I'm going to grab some munchies, some nachos, maybe some pizza, so I can sit there uninterrupted and watch my Detroit Red Wings beat the New York Rangers. The cat wants some. He really does. <laughs> he does. I'll have to give him a little, got a little taste. All right. We will see you guys in the next Run Alert podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, with my co- my other host, Cindy Barry. The best part, Cindy Barry. Yeah. And we will see you guys in the next Red Alert podcast. This will be a podcast is about, in about an hour, so stay tuned for that. And we'll see you guys in the next episode of the Red Alert podcast. See you then.